0: You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your weekly podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to Milwaukee Mafia. I'm Eric Walterkins.
0: I'm Gavin
1: Schmidt. So what do you got for us?
0: We're gonna talk a little bit about Louis Fazio. Louis Fazio and the Fazio family. A little bit with his family too, yes. Alright. So for whatever reason, Louis Fazio has not come up in this podcast. Maybe I've mentioned him or something, it's possible. But he wasn't a focus even though he was involved in burglary child trafficking all these terrible things he was not really a focus up until now and in march 1946 along with a couple other guys he ends up killing a man Just outside of Kenosha, because this other guy, Mike Farina, is in a rival burglary gang. And Mike Farina steals from Fazio and his guys, and that's a big no-no. You don't burgle from the burglars. (laughs) Like, that's not cool. So they end up killing him and they go to prison. And they're supposed to have life in prison, but you've been following this (laughs) podcast.
1: (laughs) That never happens. That
0: never happens. So 1946, they're sentenced to life in prison. And how
1: old are they at this age? I don't think you said that.
0: I don't know exactly how old they are, but they're fairly young. 20s, 30s at most. Okay. Younger guys. And uh, already, a few years later, 1953, they're already trying to get out on parole. (laughs)
1: Okay. I thought you were going to say that they had gotten out on parole.
0: Not quite yet. Not quite yet, but they're already going before the parole board trying to get out seven years later. Later. So pretty quick turnaround for life in prison there. The Fazio fan. Oh, you got something?
1: Oh, I was just going to say, where are they successful? But I think you're going into that. We're going to go into that. Yes.
0: We're going to go into that quite a bit okay? because this focus this time is not really about a murder.
1: It's about getting out of prison. It's about
0: getting out of prison.
1: Ooh, are we going to have a prison break?
0: No. So the Fazio family, and now Louis Fazio has several brothers in Milwaukee, and many of them are well known for operating restaurants. They've got like a half dozen restaurants throughout the city, so they're pretty well known. They're making good money, and they hear a rumor That if you want to get somebody out of prison, the guy you want to talk to is Assembly Speaker Mark Catlin. And Mark Catlin is the Assembly Speaker, which is a high position in state government. Mm -hmm. He's also an attorney. And so he has an office both in Madison and in Appleton. So they go to his Appleton office and he says, yes, I can help you. So Catlin is a pretty well-known guy, uh, obviously because he's a politician and uh, he's a high-ranking politician, but he also comes from a notable family. Won't really matter to the Milwaukee audience, but in the Appleton area, both him, his father, and others are pretty well known, so he's already kind of a big deal. Catelyn says he can take the case. He looks over Louis Fazio's record. He says, "Oh, this record's fine. I can get this guy out of prison." Which I don't know what that means. What a record is fine? I mean, killed a guy. That's usually not a good record. But, <laughs> but apparently, since being in prison, he must have been behaving himself. So. Catlin said he would do the job if the Fazios would pay him $5,000 in advance and 5000 more when Fazio was released. And this is the 1950s. So $10,000, I mean, $10,000 today is a good chunk okay. of change,
1: but in the 50s, even more so. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a hefty fee, but they agree. So do you know, is this guy doing shady things to get people out of prison or is he legitimately doing it through the courts and doing what he needs to do to... Get them all.
0: I'm not sure if I should answer that yet.
1: Okay. All right. So shady it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. So the family agrees and Louis's brother, Frank Fazio, hands over $5,000 in cash to Mark Catlin. And then Catlin, in turn, hands over $1,000 of that to another attorney who was the previous attorney who recommended him. Whatever. just was like a finder's fee. Okay. He gets before the parole board and... Nope, he's turned down. We're not paroling this guy. They get before him a second time. Nope, it's turned down. Every six months, they get to go before the board. Mm-hmm. And twice now since he's taken the case, it's been turned down. At this point, Catlin actually goes to the governor's office. And the governor is a friend of his. And he says, got to get Louis Fazio out of here. It's a good guy. Shouldn't be in prison. This isn't right. Got to get him out of here. And he also goes to... The head of the parole board, and he says, I spoke with the trial judge. The trial judge said, you know, I gave him life in prison because I had to. That's just the rules. But, you know, I think he should probably be pardoned. And I'll tell you right now, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. He did not go talk to the trial (laughs) judge. The trial judge said that. So that's BS. He's making up a story here. And
1: how do you know this? Did the trial judge come out and say, I never talked to this guy? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. So at this point, the governor's like, here's the deal. I'm not going to let out Fazio. And the reason I'm not going to do it isn't just because he's a murderer. It's because he was convicted with three other guys for this murder. And he's the one who actually pulled the trigger. It's not going to look good for me politically. To let
1: him out. To and let him the, out, yeah. Keep the other two people in prison.
0: Yeah. So he's like, until they get out, he's not getting out. That <laughs> makes no sense. So they're like, okay. So now Catelyn starts working to get these other guys out of prison, knowing that this is going to be a package deal. In the meantime... The Fazio family meets with the executive director of Wisconsin Service Association, which is a charitable agency interested in the welfare of prisoners. They talk it over, and at this point, the guy running this agency realizes something is very wrong. People are not supposed to accept money to get prisoners out on parole. That isn't how the system works. (laughs) So he finds this very suspicious. He tells the Fazios this is very suspicious. And then he tells the governor about this. And he's like, you're not supposed to do that. In fact, the way that it's set up, I don't know about every state, but at least in Wisconsin, you're not supposed to pay anybody to help you get on parole at all, whether it's shady or not. (laughs) You can pay an attorney to help you get an appeal on your case. You know, like if you said, oh, I was wrongfully convicted. That's one thing. But to actually go in front of the parole board, you're not supposed to have an attorney for that. Because it's not based on what you did or didn't do or legal technicalities. It's just based on, you know, have you been good in prison? Have you served your time well enough? Are you going to adjust back in society? So if you're paying somebody, especially a significant amount of money, but paying them at all, there's something wrong there because there really isn't anything an attorney can do to speed that process up.
1: So was it illegal for this lawyer. To it was take not it? illegal. It was not technically legal, but that it's just that's not how the system was supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: It's a rule, but it's not a law.
1: And is that still true today? I don't know. Okay.
0: But at the time it was a rule and the governor, I don't know if we'll get to that, but the governor actually comes out later and he says, if I know that somebody is being paid to represent someone, I'm going to automatically deny that parole. Mm-hmm. Because that's—I don't want that kind of thing going through the system.
1: Does parole run always run through the governor? Like, is he, he has to sign off on, on it? it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, the parole board sends in their recommendation. You know, yes or no. But the governor has the final, you know, sign the paperwork kind of deal. Around the same time, we start finding some other cases of this going on. There's a man who's originally from Chicago, but him and another man came up to Kenosha, broke into a university professor's house while he was home, terrorized him, tied him up, stole a bunch of stuff, and... Ended up getting caught and going to prison for it. Well, he also catches wind that Mark Catlin is the guy you want to talk to. So through his girlfriend, later his wife, they get married while he's in prison, they contact him and Catlin's like, yeah, I'll take the case. But on a couple conditions, one, you have to pay me in cash. And two, I can't give you any receipts of these payments because I don't want my name on this anywhere. So that raised some flags for uh-huh. her, but but she's like, you can get him out, you can get him out, and that's fine. So they meet, she does pay him, and in fact, she couldn't even get all the money in cash. So what she did was she went to the bank, opened a fake checking account under a fake name, and then wrote a check, post the check, and gave it to that. So it wouldn't trace back, because it's a fake name.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he's now getting a check from a non-existent person. <laughs> And he knows that, but he takes the money anyway.
1: Now that has to be illegal at this point in time, I would assume.
0: If not illegal, it's highly questionable. She didn't do it to scam the system. Right. The money was paid. Right. But I don't even know how you could open a bank account under a fake name. Apparently, they were pretty loose about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure back then you probably just could not literally walk in and just say your name and they would open an account. I guess. But I I would think that if you were knowingly taking money from somebody that had written a check out to you in a fake name, Mm -hmm. I, I got to imagine that would have been illegal to do. That would have been like some sort of. Money fraud in some way.
0: I would think it's something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what crime it would be, but it seems something's not right there.
1: And I'm probably, again, jumping ahead in this question, but does this lawyer at some point in time get any sort of trouble for all the stuff he's doing? We're getting there. Okay. Getting there. I'm just setting it up. I'm getting everybody excited for what's to come. Okay. So.
0: <laughs> all right. So time is going on. It's been almost two years now since the has originally hired this guy they paid the 5000 up front, and nothing has really happened. So at this point, they call him up, and they say, Catelyn, we're done. You keep the 5000 up front. I mean, that's fine, whatever. We don't want your help anymore. This is not going anywhere. <laughs> he pleads with them. He says, no, 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 no. You're making a mistake. Keep me on this case. I can do this. But they're like, no, no, thank you. And immediately after this, Catelyn then calls the governor and is like, hey, seriously, we got to get Louis Fazio out of here. Like, the family really wants him out of there. And the governor at this point is catching on that something isn't right he was never in on this whole thing like he didn't know about the payments and everything but he starts to really get the fact that something isn't right with how hard this guy is pushing to get Mm -hmm. one particular inmate out and at that point the governor starts asking questions figures out what's going on and hands over a report to the state board of bar commissioners the state board of bar commissioners because i'm sure you're going to ask is the group of people that oversees lawyers in the state of wisconsin so what he's done is not illegal but what he's done goes against the ethics rules of being an attorney so they file charges against catlin in may 1956
1: when you say that they file charges against them it's not technically like a law that he's violating. It's, right. It's just something to basically get his law license taken away, correct? Right.
0: He could okay. lose his law license or he could have other penalties. He doesn't have to pay a fee or something. But, yeah, you can't actually like, go to prison for being a shady lawyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a really shady lawyer, you can.
1: But you have to start breaking laws right. instead of the these right. ethic codes or whatever.
0: Right. There's a very long list of things you cannot do because lawyers already, as I'm sure anybody listening to this knows, lawyers have a bad reputation. <laughs> and they don't really want that any worse. The people that oversee who gets law licenses don't want bad lawyers in the group. <laughs> so they do have some level of control over that. You're not supposed to be a shady lawyer. (laughs) But anyway, so they file these charges and they actually come up with a whole list of people that he was taking fees from. He was taking money from some other killers, some other burglars a serial rapist, uh, just a whole long list of of people. And he was also charged with hinting that he could do a better job than other attorneys because he had political connections. Because, you know, you hire your average attorney, the attorney will do what they can. But if you hire somebody who is an important political person who might happen to be friends with the governor Governor
1: and can pick up a phone and call him whenever he wants to try and make something happen.
0: That's very helpful. Mm -hmm. So, hmm, we're were you telling these people that you could get them out because you were friends with the governor? That's a big no-no. Can't do that. This attorney apparently specialized in parole. When he wasn't being a politician, which was his full-time job, he apparently specialized in getting people out on parole. Which, this is kind of beside the point, but not really a great thing to do even though it's legal.
1: It's still not recognized as something you should be doing.
0: Not recognized as something you should be doing. But even furthermore, even if it was okay by the rules and it was totally legal, it seems like a really stupid thing to do politically.
1: Because once people find out, oh, this guy just gets everybody out of prison, yeah. they're going to be like, why would we vote for that guy? Right.
0: I don't know who wants to campaign on being like, yeah, I'm the guy who gets murderers <laughs> out of prison. Not a popular platform.
1: Must have been very profitable for him and based on... This incident of $10,000, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems like that was the reason why I was doing it. It was extremely profitable.
0: Yeah. So apparently, yeah, the money must have been really good because Mm. I cannot imagine that you would want to be identified. I mean... Don't get me wrong. The parole system exists for a reason. People should get paroled. But as a politician, you don't really want your name on that. Yeah. Anyway, so Catelyn denies these charges. He says, At no time did I exercise, offer to exercise, or attempt to exercise any political influence whatsoever with my clients. Further, he said that before taking on a client, he personally investigated each and every case to ensure that they were deserving of having parole. He said his methods of achieving parole for his clients had not changed since he became a politician. He has always done it the same way. There's nothing wrong about the way that he does it. So he's flat out denying it. He also accused the governor of deliberately stalling on parole. He says, Hey, you are not letting out people as quickly as you should be. That's a strange accusation, but okay.
1: Yeah, I guess what is the measure of the appropriate time to let people out? Right. <laughs> I would assume from the governor's standpoint, there were, he's probably ninety-eight percent of the time just signing off on whatever the parole board says. Right. More, you, uh, more often would, than not, you yeah. would think like, right. th- this is just paperwork to him. He's not. He probably doesn't even really look at it.
0: <laughs> right. There's certain like really high-profile cases. Where the governor might care, but yeah, more often Often than not. not, He's just
1: going to be like, yeah, if you think he should get out, we'll let him out.
0: Yeah. Side note. A lot of side notes today. Side note. At the same time, Catlin was running for U.S. Senate. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But following these accusations coming out, the party dropped him and chose somebody else to be their candidate. So... He did not get to be a senator.
1: And that is why he should have never been involved in this if he wanted to be in politics. Right.
0: <laughs> right. And again, side point. <laughs> but what I find interesting about this is the charges were brought indirectly by the governor. The governor handed over, like, his information to bring these charges. The governor is in the same political party as Catlin, So it's not like he dumped this personally to, like, screw him over politically. Mm-hmm. If he was from the other party... You you could argue. You could that- say that, be like, "Oh, I'm, you're smearing me during an election year," but that would be a hard claim to make because they were on the same team.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: All right. In the meantime, again, Fazio comes up for parole, doesn't get it, which uh, you know, not really surprising.
1: How far are we into this now? I know. Before now, we're, said- now we're
0: about three years since they first hired Catlin. Right. So and when if they he first... fell for parole every six months. That's probably five or six times that he's been up for parole. They
1: hired him as soon as he was able to get parole. Pretty right? much right yeah. away, yeah. Okay.
0: So again, having Catelyn has done nothing for them. Catelyn goes on trial, and they get dozens of people testifying. The warden at the prison testified that, again, inmates were told not to pay for your legal counsel. All parole expenses were handled by the state, and there is no advantage of having an attorney. The parole board decides each case based on the inmate's prison record, not on any legal situation. Despite that, a rumor had been circulating in the prison that Catelyn was the one to see if you wanted your parole to move more quickly. The warden was aware that this rumor was going around. Also, he knew that Catelyn was a frequent visitor at the prison. On average, he would be there at least once per month, and that was just in the prison itself. They also had a prison farm that he signed into separately on occasion. So at least once a month in the prison and probably more in the farm. Mm -hmm. He was there pretty frequently for a guy who really had no business there. (laughs) The Fazio brothers testified. They revealed that, surprise, surprise, they had actually tape-recorded their meetings with Mark Catlin. (laughs) This is not going to end well, is it? (laughs) No. They turned over the tapes for evidence. On the tapes, Catlin made vague references to taking the $5,000 that they paid and taking care of various people around Madison. He never directly actually said anything, Mm -hmm. but he implied that the money was going to be used to pay other people. One client testified that he was told to lie and say that his attorney was somebody else and not Catlin because Catlin didn't want to be associated with his case. A family member of the Mandela brothers, these are two guys who were convicted with Fazio on the murder, they said that the fees that their family paid were paid at a baseball stadium, in a restaurant bathroom, <laughs> and in other unusual places so that nobody would see them handing over the money. <laughs> that again is questionable. If you don't want to be seen taking the money, probably not a case you should be taking.
1: You talked a little bit before about how the parole board said, you know, don't get a lawyer because everything is based on your prison record and what you do. Yeah. Through all this stuff that you've read about this, does this guy ever say what he actually did? Because the way you're explaining it makes it sound to like the only thing he could really do to help you get out on parole is to put the idea of letting you out into the right people's ears right which to me would be probably like you said not illegal but highly unethical for you to hire somebody just to go to the governor and maybe to parole board members and say hey you really need to let this guy out blah blah blah
0: no you're spot on there's nothing like you can't file any paperwork that's going to change anything all that he seems to have ever done was, you know, he'd go visit the warden at the prison and he'd be like, hey, how's my guy doing? Has he been good? Yeah. And go and visit the governor. Hey, here's some guys who you should consider next time, you know. And he can't like blatantly say it because that would be, that would be pushing it. But yeah, exactly like you're saying, just kind of putting the bug in their ear that it's like, hey... and these are some guys that maybe it's time for them to go. So, yeah, I, not really even the legal thing. Like, there's no no paperwork in that.
1: It's just interesting to me because I feel like in the during this trial, they would look at him and say, okay, you were accepting money to help these people get out of prison. What were you doing to help them get out of prison? Mm-hmm. Because the only things he could possibly have been doing are highly, highly unethical. Right. I would think. Right. You know, unless they came up with something that he was doing during the court case, like, well, I would do this, this, and this, that were within reason of having somebody do, I guess. But they, it never really talks about that from what you researched on this, or
0: Not really. Whatever he was doing other than just kind of, you know, talking to people and trying to persuade them, I don't know.
1: I hope this guy gets in some pretty deep doo-doo by the end of this for those
0: (laughs) (laughs) called to testify was the governor the governor actually went and he explained that accepting money from inmates was highly improper And when he found out that's what Catelyn was doing, he told Catelyn so. He said that's not okay. He also had found out that Catelyn was representing people, but telling them not to use his name. He said that he had been insistent that Louis Fazio should be pardoned. He knew that he had lied about the trial judge saying that he should get out. So Kohler at this point had been figuring a lot of stuff out, Governor Kohler who, side note, is from the same family that the Kohler Company and the city of Kohler is named after. All right. Now, on top of all of this, another reason that he didn't pardon or parole Louis Fazio, in June of 55, so in the middle of him being persuaded to do it, somebody planted some dynamite in a trash can outside of one of the Fazio family's restaurants. The dynamite went off blew a hole in the restaurant, and their father ends up dying. Okay. Not from the blast, but apparently it gave him a heart attack, Attack and he died of a heart attack. Okay. So the governor was like, even if I was going to parole him, I'm not going to do it while the family is back in the news because they've been the target of a bombing. (laughs) (laughs) Like... That's not going to look good for me. (laughs) Kohler testified, Mark Catlin is a volatile and explosive sort of person. He was ranting and bombastic. So, yeah, they're apparently not friends anymore at this point. (laughs) And he said that even though they're from the same party, he had to turn him in because it would be a stain on the whole parole and pardon system if he knew about what he was doing and didn't turn Mm -hmm. him in because it could indirectly come back on the governor. Because he doesn't want people to think that you could actually influence the governor's decision. That would not be good. Catelyn took the stand in his own defense. He called the Fazio family unmitigated liars. He said he had collected a total of $16,000 from his parole clients, but he hadn't kept any record of it because he didn't make records, and he hasn't kept any records since 1940. So that's over 15 years at this point. He says, I have a very good memory. I don't need records. (laughs) Which, that's a whole other thing. I don't know. He wasn't really able to defend himself other than to say that, while his fees may seem excessive to some, his clients felt that they got their money's worth. As long as the clients were happy, the fees were fair. Okay, I guess. He said, maybe they thought that I was using political influence And maybe they thought there was corruption involved, but you can see that I didn't actually use any political influence or corruption, so therefore I did nothing wrong.
1: But what did he do then? (laughs) I mean, if he wasn't using political corruption, please tell me, what did this man do? I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea.
0: I have no idea. This is like the fine line here. He's saying that he didn't use any improper political influence. And maybe that's true. But at the same time, he has to know that the people who are hiring him think that's why they're hiring him.
1: Not even that, but we know that he picked up the phone and called the governor and said, you know, it might be time for this guy to get out. To me, that tells you that's using political influence. How could you justify that as not being political influence? Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's a fine line. It's like him saying to the governor, like, I think this guy should go out is, you know, it's influence, but maybe it's okay. It's not like he said, if you parole this guy... I'll help you get the votes on your next big project. So he's not bribing anybody or blackmailing anybody.
1: Right. So he's not doing anything illegal, but he is just still doing things highly unethical. And right. And for him to say that he's not using political influence, you mentioned multiple times that he went to the warden. I can't imagine I can go and get a meeting with a warden of a prison, you know? The reason why he was able to get that meeting is because he was in politics and right. his name was known. Right. So to me right there, another example of political influence. Right.
0: Catelyn, he goes, if you think my behavior was improper, rather than punish me, how about we pass a law actually clearly defining what you can and cannot do when you're trying to help somebody get parole? And the court said, no, that's not a good idea. You should kind of know that what you were doing isn't right. We shouldn't have to make it actually a law for you to know that. Can you guess what happens?
1: I'm thinking he loses his law license. He does lose his okay. law license.
0: This is one of those cases where they don't just let a guy go. He actually does lose his law license.
1: Yeah, I would imagine he would lose his law license, but I, that's I'm probably guessing is the extent of it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. 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 And like nothing ever comes of it beyond that. Yep. My question now, I'm going to take it back to Frank Fazio. Do I got the name right? There's a couple brothers. But yeah, Frank
0: was the main one talking to the attorney, if that's who you mean. Yeah,
1: the original guy we were talking about that he was trying to get him out of prison. So Frank, you said, was involved in all these different things.
0: Are we talking about the criminal now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Louis.
1: Oh, Louis Fazio? Yeah. Okay.
0: There's like 10 brothers. So. <laughs> you,
1: you said that, though, that he was involved child... Um...
0: I say child trafficking. That okay. wasn't the term they used at the time, but yeah. Well,
1: okay, so... But these just never came up in stories, and I'm just curious as to why this the first we're hearing about him he was involved in all these different things well that's
0: on me (laughs) i could have made an episode about the child trafficking Mm -hmm. and i could have made whatever but for whatever reason it didn't come up so okay gotcha i could have done that but i'm trying to go with the timeline so we passed that point i'm not going to go back we're going to gloss over that for now this was just next oh we're in the 50s now
1: Right. Well, I was just wondering why we didn't touch on any stories about him.
0: I don't know. The child trafficking thing should have come up, but it didn't.
1: Fail on Gavin's part. It is
0: a fail on my part. Those aren't fun stories to tell anyway, though. Hmm.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's That is very true. I don't really think this was too much about the Fazio family, more about this shady lawyer. Well, it is about the
0: shady lawyer, but the Fazios will come up again. This is our introduction to them. Okay, so this trial wraps up in 1956, all right? February 1957, one of the Mandela brothers is released on parole. June of 57, the other Mandela brother is released on parole. And then December 1957, after 11 years in prison for a life sentence for murder, Louis Fazio is released from prison. So his life sentence is knocked down to 11 years. But, that always strikes me, the way that that's changed. Where now, you if somebody got out, if somebody killed somebody and was out in 10 years, that would be unbelievable. Like, but, that would never fly. So Fazio is out. He does violate his parole and gets sent back temporarily. But he's back out again a second time after about a year. He will come up in her story again because he does bad things. And eventually, somebody gets rid him. of him. Yeah. <laughs> I did fail in my duty to bring him up earlier into the story, but at this point, Louis Fazio will show up a few more times, and eventually he will stop showing up.
1: All right, well, I think that wraps this one up.
0: Yeah, I just wanted a little different story where it's not all gangsters and stuff.
1: (laughs) All right, well, you want to hit them up with the contact info?
0: Yeah, you can find us at MilwaukeeMafia.com, best source of information out there. Or you can email MilwaukeeMafia at gmail.com. You can go to Facebook, facebook.com slash MilwaukeeMafia.
1: All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We will be back in one week with the Patreon. Two weeks with a new episode. And if you do enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. We will see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee
0: Mafia podcast. Join us next week for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia
1: and true crime history.